Father, we thank you. We ask and we say there is illumination. The highest of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Everyone can behold you as we see ourselves in you. Your name alone is glorified, even as we are edified. Amen. 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 All right. First Corinthians 11, 23 to 25, or 26, sorry. It says, For I have received of the Lord that which I... All, I wish, that which also I delivered unto you, the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, for this is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me, after the same manner, also ye took cup, and ye are sought, and this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This ye do, as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye show the lost death till he comes. I think where people now um, have issues with is 27 where it says, uh, we're going to look at that later. It says, wherefore, whosoever eateth this bread and drinketh this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the, and the blood of the Lord. And let a man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread, <laughs> of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning <laughs> the lost body. So I think that's where people got that concept from and say, um, if you don't, if you're not born again and you drink from this cup, uh, if you're not yet baptized, you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. And you drink from this cup, you'll be, you're going to be, uh, something bad will happen to you and all of those things. And in the first session, we, 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 we kind of went through um, the whole of Corinth, right? We looked at the problems and the issues that Corinth was going through. And uh, we, we, saw, uh, we saw the issue of, uh, the, 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 we saw much of the problems that, as it were, men went through, right? And, and all of those things, right? So, but we were asking ourselves a question. And we said, I asked you a question in section one. We, we had some key things we wanted to look at, some key words we wanted to look at. We said received, right? Um, delivered, break or broken, eat, body, remembrance, and show, right? In section one, I think we're able to do, we're able to lay justice to received, right? able to lead justice to delivered. I think we're in break or broken. Yeah, I think that's where we are. And we asked a question, um, and we said, when we're looking at um, delivered, we asked a question, we said that, does it mean that Paul was handling down a tradition expected to be kept, or was he giving an instruction using this analogy? Uh, using the analogy of the communion and all of those things. And we're going to answer the questions as we progress. Now, we, we looked at the four Gospels also. We, we saw Matthew 26. We saw Mark 14. We looked at Luke 22. We saw John. We're going to go back to John's narrative later in these sessions. And we're going to see how, was, how the John explained the use of the bread. I think in Supernatural Life, I explained how he used water. So we're going to look at John's narrative on bread in this series. And um, we saw um, the keywords, we saw the Passover, we saw, and I asked us and I said that, where did that name, Holy Communion, come from? That no writer, and I told us, I said, no writer 
called it Holy Communion, right? Why? And I said, and I told you in section one, I said, why did I name this series Holy Communion? I named it, I particularly named this series Holy Communion just because it will be a catcher, right? It will, that's what everybody understands this as in our today's world. So now, uh, one question, let's, let's, let's start our studies on, on something carefully. And let's ask a question. Did Jesus institute communion or the Passover? We're going to look at both. Did Jesus institute communion or the Passover? Was Paul teaching the practice of Passover or was he referring to something else? Those two questions are something we need to understand. Look at number one question. Did Jesus institute communion? You know, the thing we are talking about communion or Passover. Was Paul teaching the practice of communion? Or was, sorry, was Paul teaching the practice of Passover? Or was he referring to something else? Now, to, now, in understanding this, to adequately answer these questions, a proper practice of Passover needs to be explained, right? We have to first study and address the practice of Passover. And in applying the rules of Bible hermeneutics or Bible interpretation, the very first things to do is to look at historical analysis. We first apply the rule of um, with the rule of first mention, locate where the concept was originated from, right? I've always taught us, I think it's, which, which, which Bible, which teaching did I teach you law of first mention? Okay. Bible Eminotic Series 1, where I said, you first look at the law of first mention, where it came from, where it originated, because one, one way to study the scriptures is, if a statement, if you look at the way I teach you scriptures, if a statement was used here, especially when it's Bible seminars like this, I take you to the very first place it was used. Then we'll trace it down. I think I did that a lot in, in our series on Christian worship, where, where, we're, where we're tracing um, um, worship, our worship to God, praise, worship. And we took, we took the first, we took the, our journey to, um, we took our journey through Jacob, Abraham. We saw the practice of the leaning down, the adoration, the lifting up of hands. I think when we were even doing clapping and dancing, even clapping, even fasting, we, we traced it from Genesis. We traced it from the Old Testament down to the New Testament and we saw the practice because it's just like fasting now. There is no way in the New Testament or in the, even the entire scripture that says fast. So it has been, a, it has been an age-long debate of should the Christians still fast today? So that's why we did that series, right? And to address that question for ourselves that, okay, common sense just requires fasting. I used to say Jesus fasted, all the apostles fasted. <laughs> it's common sense because it's just like the prayer now. There's clear cut instructions in scriptures that pray. Paul says, pray without sins. Jesus told us, well, you should pray. Uh, men ought to pray and not ought to faith. There was that clear cut instruction like fasting. So now in this our series now, in this communion study that we are studying now. Don't forget, I've, in, in section one, I laid, a, I laid that demarcation for us and I asked us the question, where did the word communion even come from, right? I asked us that question and I said that, <laughs> so are we doing something that, now, so, so some, some thoughts will be coming to your head like, are we doing, uh, not we, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, I used to tell you something, that if there's something, if there will be little or less things we will have to change in our church because I took my time to learn 
the gospel really well before we started church. They will listen to lesson and say, ah, we used to do that before we stopped. Uh, it, I, it, we only adjust our knowledge of many things. Not that we will only be updating our knowledge. Not that we have to stop. Uh, nah. We can't stop prayer now. That's, is that not what we do in church? We can't stop preaching gospel. Is that not what we do? We can't stop. Which other thing do we do? We can't stop outreach. Which other practice do we practice in church? Eh? Praise and worship. We can't stop praise and worship. Which other thing? Discipleship. We can't stop that one. We can't stop evangelism. Which other one? That's the only thing that we do in church now. Is there any other thing that we do in church? Follow. We can't stop follow. Which other practice do we have again in church? Eh? Punishment service. <laughs> not, we've not had punishment service in a while now. This one is like punishment service. No, no, this is Bible seminar. <laughs> prayer work. We can't stop prayer work. Which other practice? We can't stop pressure meetings. We can't stop love feasts. That one, is, that one is something we can even stop. <laughs> that one, we can stop. Eh? We can't stop it. There's nothing. There's really nothing we are doing. Are you getting what I'm saying? See, I'll teach you, I'll teach you that as the years progress, one of the things I will be emphasizing, there's a message I have. I've been contemplating if I should infuse it into this year's mission as possible or I should wait for sight and sound. Boredom of purpose. That's the title. <laughs> that's, it. that's the title of the message. Boredom of purpose. Why, why you should not get bored or what you are saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to teach you. I don't know if I'm teaching this issue, but don't worry. So back to what we are studying, right? So now, why do people, not, not us, now, why do people <laughs> take the, the communion and everything? Where did it come from? So now, with so the questions I asked us now, did Jesus institute communion or the Passover? Don't forget I used the word communion. Don't forget to. And don't forget I'm still the same person who asked us in section one that is communion, where did communion came from? Because we read through the scriptures now and we did not see the word, right? And we, we, we saw in Matthew, we saw in Mark, we saw in Luke, we saw in John, we saw even in this first Corinthians, and we did not see the word communion. What me and you saw was Passover, right? Now, and don't forget, I asked us a question in section one, and I said, where did it come from? And now I'm, I'm the same person saying, did Jesus institute communion or the Passover? And I said, was Paul teaching the practice of Passover, or was he referring to something else? So, in studying, in, in finding out these questions, or answering these questions, one way we are going to look at this our study, is to look at the historical analysis, right? And see what, let's, we're going to look at historical analysis. What did, uh, we're tracing it, like I've always taught us in the rule of Bible hermeneutics, that where did this, where did this contest originate from? So are you ready for this? So we want to look at Passover, right? Look at in Exodus 12 verse 11. So there's, there's that law first mentioned in scripture. When you say, okay, it's just like when you are, okay, for some of you that are not, I, I know that many of you are not uh, science inclined, right? But if I'm writing, if, if, hmm, okay. How many of you know that 
let's say you are writing a thesis, right? And you use a word. Let's say you used the word. Let's say you are writing a story to somebody, and you used um, microphone. Do you know that? If you are about to change the meaning of microphone in page four, you will put a parenthesis. Right? If you are about to change the meaning, because you have started with a contest, right? That's so now. Why do we go back? Is to we are going back to that word to see where it came from. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's what Bible, that's what patience Bible study does for you is to take you back to the history of the word. So historical analysis, you can't take... I, I, it took me a long time to understand this in my journey in Bible study, that you can't take history away from the Bible. Because this Bible that we read is obviously written in the culture of men. Yes, it was spirit-inspired, obviously. But you cannot inspire somebody... Imagine he cannot speak Hebrew. Imagine Moses cannot speak Hebrew. How do you want to inspire him? He's going to write based on the context of what he understands. No, you cannot be inspired. Okay, you now that you, or you that you are, both of you now that you are, as it were, doctors, you cannot be inspired to, you cannot be inspired to global and international studies or think, your mind cannot be thinking what geography, political geography. Your mind can't be thinking in that instance. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So no matter the kind of inspiration you want to have, you can never be inspired to political geography. Are you getting what I'm saying? And me, that I'm talking to you, I don't even have a clue. See, let me tell you, if I give a word of knowledge, as touching healing, let me tell you how God works with me. If I want, if I want to see a situation as touching healing, I just see the body parts. So I just say, so you have issues with your leg. You have I don't know the name. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Sometimes it could be a name of a sickness I had somewhere. The thing will just come back. I say, oh, there's somebody with this situation. But most times I don't know the name. That's it. I sometimes I even tell myself, maybe I should go and learn more. <laughs> so I can know how to flow better. So I, I can just say, there's somebody you're having. Now, can God obviously tell you the thing without even you knowing the name? Obviously, yes. But many a times, the way I feel it, many a time, if I'm ministering with the Spirit, sometimes I can just feel a like, headache. I don't know. Ah, somebody's here having migraine. <laughs> somebody's here. Sometimes, there's some day I felt something. And it wasn't it. It was something else that I was relating to that case. I said, I just, and I told the person, I, I was actually, I was actually, it was in such a I took the mic over and I told the person, there's something they said, I said, no, it's this way. I, said, I did not know. I just know that there's something related to the, to this part of the body, but I just don't know the name. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's just like, sorry to mention him, Dr. Paul Ineshe now, he's a doctor. He can mention any medical case. It, it flows so much in healing. He just mentions the case because he knows what he's saying. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's, it's very easy for him because 
This is the situation. He has been, he's a doctor, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a medical practitioner. In, in fact, him and his wife, they are both doctors. And I'm not mean honorary degree doctors, who, I mean they went to medical school. <laughs> Those type of people now, when they want to call cases, sometimes, I, I, I've not watched them in a long time, but years ago, when they say, so you have spirochlorosis, this, 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 ah. There's <laughs> even a case like this. But they know, in fact, the husband we say, the, the husband, I, I watched, there was one day, I think it's a while that sent me that video, not your only wife, my friend. He said, there was a case he made, the husband called. The wife said, I, the husband said, I've forgotten what this case is. Can you tell me? He called the wife. The wife picked up the microphone. Pastor, sir, is, the, is this issue that deals with this issue? I said, oh, I said, hey. <laughs> you know, that's inspiration. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they can't be, back to what I'm saying now, they can't be, is, that's what I was teaching us in Bible Eminotics. And I say, inspiration also is human thing. You can't go beyond this knowledge in inspiration. It's just like I still use the examples of Chimamanda Adichie all the time. She's very African, though she has schooled in the Western world and all of those things. But she's very African. You will read, you will have to read her stories with an African mentality. And I like it. The fact that she's trying, she's not trying to be unique. She tells the African story to the Western world, not even minding the title, not minding the name she used. In Popular because she used Ogene. You know, you want, Western world will say Ujin. It's not Ujin. We that we are African, we know that's Ogene. Are <laughs> you getting what It's not Papa Ujin. It is Ogene. Oh, we have read Popular because here. Oh, see. You bad. Which type of church members am I bad? Which type of church members? You have ah, Thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to wonder which type of church members do I have. All right, please, let's come back to the word. So that means when I was teaching people, um, by the way, we noticed that I was just mentioning. Wow. Mm. So if I, but if I talk about anatomy, what, what's the meaning of anatomy? Is it that they are cutting somebody's tummy? Story of, oh, I will come back. So the anatomy, so the old Hey! Wow. I'm trying. I'm picking up gradually. I'm picking up, you know. It, don't, don't teach me. I want to study this revelation of the word. <laughs> okay, Exodus 12, 11. Someone say, Pastor, go to the point. Just. <laughs> what is this? Time is good. Are we going to finish this? <laughs> God will forgive you. And you know, it's like how Jesus was teaching, and the Bible says he knew the secret of their heart. Who is he? These stories. Yes, You cannot rush me. That's something you must know. Once I'm on this movie, I will teach you God's word with simplicity and clarity. I'm never in the East. That's why you see my series are very long. You know, Pastor, what's that? One thing that inspired series was one statement I heard from Pastor that Pastor Chris Oyokoto told him. He said that, ah, Pastor asked Pastor Chris Oyokoto, say, ah, sir, why do you teach your series long? He said, ah, I didn't know my church members. Where are they going to? 
They will come back and hear the first part next Sunday. <laughs> so they, I'm not in a rush. Ah, so <laughs> there's no point. We just keep breaking it down. And so I'm not in a real rush. If we don't finish it, we'll continue tomorrow. Exodus <laughs> 12 11. As far as you shall understand. Yes, uh, we, are not, we are not in a school where we are trying to finish uh, the syllabus. It's as serious. You know, we have lifetime for this one. So, <laughs> so please just be relaxed and just be taking your notes. It's me that should be tired, so don't worry. I'm not tired. I can never be. Just, <laughs> just relax. <laughs> All right. Exodus 12 11. It says, And thus shall ye eat with your loins guarded, your shoes on your feet. This thing should give you an inference. If you want to do it, attention corroboration. Thus, your, shall you eat and with your loins guarded, your feet and your staff. Your, what's this giving? So shall you pass the no. corroboration. Think, think, think. Mm. Loins guarded. Yes. Are you seeing that these things are. After you've gone through Jerusalem, after you've gone through Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, you're not <laughs> And your shoes and your feet and your staff in your hands, and you shall hit in the east. It is what? It is what? Now, this was when Israel was departing from Egypt. He called it the lost Passover. Let's look at further reference of the, of the word Passover. Look at verse 21. Exodus 12, the same to one. He says, The Moses called for all the elders. Don't forget, this was when Israel was departing from where? Now, don't forget the context. It's always an Exodus narrative. I want you to see, when I see the word Exodus narrative in this church, I want you to have an understanding of something because I'm going to be using that statement a lot. When I say this is Exodus, I want you to have a background of bondage, background of slavery, background of they were delivered from something. You know when you are reading Colossians 1, we have been delivered from the kingdom of, that's an Exodus narrative. When we are reading Corinth, we are reading an Exodus narrative. Hope you know. See, the hope you know that the, when would you see another people who give a pastor problem? Exodus now, Corinth gave his, their pastor problem. Exodus also gave their pastor. So where we most, where we Paul be breaking most of his teachings from? Exodus narrative. Are you seeing it? So when I'm saying Exodus, so because I'm going to be using that statement a lot, I want you to understand the language now as a church because as we progress the Bible study, there are certain words I will be using. When I tell you, this is an Exodus narrative. Have a background of slavery. Have a background of bondage. Have a background of rebellion. Have a background of the weird delivered from something. Have a background of, you know, as it were, even this Passover. Have a background of the unliving bread. Have a background of certain culture and practices. Are you getting what I'm saying? Have a background of the law. Have a background of the temple. Have a background of a whole lot of everything started in Exodus. Are you getting what I'm saying? A whole lot of everything. So when I say it's a national narrative, I want you to get it. Now look at in verse 21. It says, 
And Moses called out for the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the what? The Passover. Passover. Now, that word kill there is from the words, <laughs> it's like Snapchat, but this one is Sashat. <laughs> S-H-A-C-H-A-T. That word kill there implies to slaughter in sacrifice or to offer. It speaks of sacrifice. That word is, just speaks of sacrifice. It means to offer, to, to slaughter in, in sacrifice or to offer. It speaks of sacrifice. So now, <clears throat> look at verse 43. Exodus 12, verse 43. So you see that this thing is an Exodus narrative, the Passover thing. It's an Exodus narrative. That's because they came out of Egypt, right? They were departing Egypt. Now, okay, look at in Exodus 12, verse 43. Exodus 12, 43. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no be stranger, there shall no stranger eat therefore. So that means, Moses gave an ordinance. An ordinance in the Hebrew word is for the word shushwak. Let me spell it for you. C-H-U-Q- Q A H C H U Q Q A H Ordinance means a custom, a tradition. Ordinance refers to a custom, a tradition. So it says this word or ordinance was translated. So it's translated from the Hebrew word this that word um, ordinance now, translated from the word. Shukwa, Abi, I don't know in the Hebrew. <laughs> it refers to a custom. I need to. I need to start taking Hebrew classes now and Greek classes. Honestly, I took a Greek class before, but I think I need to update. I need to refresh my knowledge on on Greek and Hebrew classes so that I can know how to pronounce. I'm I'm going to consider it now. All right, this implies that Moses was giving them what they should do afterwards. And it became a custom of the Jews. You will notice that. See, eh? mm. do you notice something? I, I just want to. Okay, l- before you, l- let's look at forty-eight. Let's look at verse forty-eight. So we, we call that an ordinance, right? And we said it's a custom, right? A tradition, and it implies that Moses was giving them what should do, what they should do afterwards. And that became a custom of the that became the custom of the Jews. Are you seeing it? All right, look at it in verse 48. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and we keep the Passover of the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as the one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Now, so this implies that Moses was giving them a rule. That was governing the involvement of a stranger partaking in the Passover. So no stranger. Do you notice that when we read in verse 14, in verse 43, it says, Shall no stranger eat thereof. Are you seeing noticing it? In verse 48, it says, When a stranger who shall come to thee and we keep the Passover of the Lord, let him be first what? Circumcised. Are you seeing it now? Now, so that means 
Moses was giving them a rule concerning the involvement that was partaking to Passover. So this implies that this Passover now is a strictly Jewish custom. And strangers were not allowed except they were converted. And how do you get converted to be a Jew? You first be circumcised. Are you seeing it now? So it's a Jewish custom that Moses laid down for them. That's why you will notice that they called, do you notice that in the scriptures they called our father Abraham, our father Moses. Those are the men who laid down practices for them that they still follow till today. So now, what was Moses referring to when he spoke about the Passover? That's the question you must understand. Go to verse 13. Exodus 12. We are still in Exodus 12, verse 13. And don't forget, this was when they were departing Egypt too. Look at in verse 13. It says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. It says, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. So look at the word Passover now. I will pass over you. Are you seeing where the word pass over? So I will pass over you and the plague shall not what? Come upon you, shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So now the word Passover in the Hebrew is used two ways. As a verb and as a noun. The word Passover is from the word Pashas. P-A. Yes, I'm trying not to, I don't, I might not get the pronunciation where we kiss an Hebrew, an Hebrew person listen to this. I say, why are you modeling my, my language? Oh yeah, I'm not listening again. No, I'm not an Hebrew person. I'm, I'm an Oda road boy, you know. <laughs> All right, so look at it. Pash, you know, P-A-S-H, P-A-S-A-C-H. It implies to stop, to halt, H-A-L-T, H-A-L-T, halt, not H-U-R, because in your mind, now, what is it, halt, H-U-R, you know, H-A-L-T, uh, you know, I think, I, 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 which, which factor do I have? Do I have the how factor or the S factor? I know that every Yoruba person has either of both, or the, the how H or the X factor. Which one do I have? I, I have mixture of everything. Wow. I know that favor cannot say how very well. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> Lies. Tony has the... I think Tony has the... I think Tony has all the alphabet factors. Because <laughs> Tony now will listen to this and say, what did I do pastor again? Tony has the alphabet Before she even knew how to pronounce her name, she will call Tony Benson. She said Tony Person. That's what she. I think she still says it to today. What's your name, Tony Person? <laughs> so she has all the factors. Big one is not a factor. <laughs> okay, sorry. Back to my teaching. So passage, right? It implies to stop, to halt, and it also means not to. It thus is derived from a verb in the negative, mean I will not. And this refers to judgment. Now, follow carefully. Let's read that verse 13 again. I want us to read it together. Let's read that verse 13 again. 
when the blood shall be upon you, right? Let's read it, guys. Pay attention. When the blood shall be to you for a talking, right? And upon the houses where you are, and when I see blood, what happens? Over you, and the plague will not be upon you, right? Don't forget, Moses has already made it an ordinance. He has made it a custom. He has made it a tradition for them, right? For strictly Jewish strangers, for strictly Jewish people, right? And we said, it's can, a stranger can only partake in it if he is circumcised, because that's how you can only be a Jewish. That's what you are converted now. What was Moses referring to when he spoke to the Passover? We just looked at it and we said the word Passover is a word passage and it means to stop, to halt, and it's revived and it's like a, a judgment stamp. Now let's see some synonyms. I said synonyms, no reference now. Synonyms of the word passage. Second Samuel 4, verse 4. Second Samuel 4, verse 4. This study is an interesting one. Second Samuel 4, verse 4. Is this and Jonathan's son? Had his, he said, and Jonathan's son had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Israel, and this nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as he made haste to flee, and he fell and what became lame. And his name was Meshibosheth. Now, that word lame is the word passage. We are looking at synonyms. What do synonyms mean in English? English student. Similar, right? Okay. Uh, if I have to ask anybody in this life, I can never ask you. Joy, please, you are my English teacher. You don't even know this one. What do synonyms mean? Similar words, good. All right. Second Samuel five verse six. So that word lame now is the word passage. We are looking at synonyms. Look at Second Samuel five verse six. It says, "And the king and his men went to Jerusalem." Why, why, why do I have to explain synonyms? Because I'm also trusting God that some people do not even understand what synonyms means. <laughs> I will have to really <laughs> clarify it for everybody. Like sister Joy now. Alright, look at Second Samuel 5, verse 6. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem, into Jebusite, into the Jebusite, in the rivers of the land, which came into David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame. That word lame, dear, is the word passage. What did I say passage means? To stop. To hope to stop, right? And it is derived from a verb in the negative, means I will not. And it's also referring to judgment. Okay. Look at 1 Kings 18.26. 1 Kings 18.26. It says, And they took the bullock, Right, and giving them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Ba from morning even to noon, saying, Oh Ba, hear us. There was no voice, 
nor any that answered. And they leaped. That word leaped there is the word passage. Look at Isaiah 31 verse 5. Isaiah 31 verse 5. It says, As bed flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will what? Preserve it. But look at what it says. Passing over. Is this giving you the narrative of the Exodus, right? This, this Isaiah now will give you the narrative of the Exodus when it says it will pass over with the blood, right? Okay. Now, let's use, look at the usage of Passover as a noun. Because you know I say it can be used as a verb and a noun. Let's look at Passover as a noun. Now, why is all of this detail good? In years to come, you understand what I'm doing. Not now. <laughs> so, see, just explain it. Just, just go straight to the point. All this usage of verb, now, synonyms. Oh, it was references. Just say the answer. <laughs> no. You understand it in years to come. Look at the word Passover in, in as a now, right? Is the word Pesach. P-E. This is passage. P-E. S. A C H. So we can say Pisach. That one is Pasach Pisach. <laughs> and it refers to a meal. As in now, it refers to a meal, festival, or the offering of an animal. A meal, festival, or the offering of an animal. And this animal was a lamb used to commemorate uh, how this to say that word? what you said it's used to what you said Passover commemorate commemorate am I, am I right? commemorate ah, English called as another road boy like this <laughs> commemorate <laughs> the Passover <laughs> thus it is called Passover lamb or the Pishal lamb. Passover lamb or the Pishal lamb. Are you seeing it? So the animal was a lamb used to commemorate the Passover and it's like that. So where we use the word, when we see the usage as a noun, we are, it's referring to the meal, right? And the festival. So Passover as a noun. Passover as a noun. These are just grammatical scriptural details that you will help you. Can put this down for your reference. Passover as it now occurs six times in Exodus, once in Leviticus, eleven times in the Book of Numbers, four times in Deuteronomy, two times in the Book of Joshua, twenty-two times in the Book of Chronicles, Kings, and once in Ezekiel. I'll say it again: six times in Exodus, once in Leviticus, eleven times in the Book of Numbers, four times in Deuteronomy. Two times in Joshua, twenty-two times in the book of First, in the book of Chronicles and Kings, once in Ezekiel. I'll say it one more time: six times in Exodus, once in Leviticus, eleven times in the book of Numbers, four times in Deuteronomy, twenty-two times in Joshua, twenty-two times in the book of Chronicles and Chronicles and Kings now, and once in Ezekiel. And this shows that it's a feast. That is well celebrated by the Jews. Look at the kind of references we have. 
as touching the meal, the coming together, the festival, how they offer it. Are you seeing it? Because don't forget, we said Pishao, Passover, the word is the word Pisha has the now is a meal, a festival, something that they offer, an animal. Are you seeing it? That used to commemorate the Passover, just like our today's turkey. Thanksgiving, that we use turkey to commemorate it. Is it commemorate? Whatever, whatever it is. I should let everybody understand what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, and it's called the Passover lamb and all of those things. So, so this shows that it's a feast that is properly well celebrated in, by the Jews and the celebration of the feast. And the celebration of that feast is called the unliving bread. The celebration of this feast is called the unliving bread. That's why you see that even till today, they still tell you that the bread is unliving. Are you, are you, how many of you notice that when they want to do the is the, the celebration of the feast, that thing that they eat and all of those, one of the things they eat, the unliving bread. Now observe something in Exodus 12. Let's go back to Exodus 12. Let's see Exodus 12 verse 14 to 18. Let's look at something to observe there. Don't forget, we are doing the historical analysis, tracing it down to what was Jesus doing, right? Guys, don't lose it, right? What was Jesus doing? What was Paul also saying? Are you seeing it now? Because if we understand the Old Testament, remember I've always told you, the Old Testament is the basics. If you understand what it is saying, it will make sense in the New Testament. Are you seeing it? Now, why are we even using the word Old Testament and New Testament? That's the dichotomy. Well, that's the guy dichotomy that the scriptures have, our world has agreed to it. Because I'm sure that in Paul's church now, they didn't have problem with saying the scriptures. They were, they didn't, they were, we, I think we, the later readers of the scripture, are having more problems with it. Because we have what this, we have what this, we, everything is just all, so the whole 66 books is all, so people, even the 66 books, some people have not finished studies, some people have say, ah, I met somebody say, you know, they are still lost books. Right? <laughs> Me have been found. <laughs> Me have not lost. <laughs> you can stay in the lost ones. <laughs> Me have actually been found. <laughs> I've not finished understanding what is the 66 books. I'm still struggling to get it. You, you are looking for the lost one. I'd rather be found first. <laughs> Before I go into the lost. <laughs> Some people are just very hilarious. <laughs> Alright, Exodus 12, verse 14 to 18. Exodus 12, verse 14 to 18. All right, let's read this together. It says, And this day, don't worry, I will read it, don't worry. It says, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. And, ye, and it shall be, don't forget, it's starting from that verse 13. No, are you seeing it? Where it says the Passover and the blood, right? Okay, in verse 14, that says, it shall be a memorial, right? In verse 17, in verse 15, it says, Seven days ye shall eat on living bread. Even the first day, ye shall put away the living one out of your houses. Look at the, the way they are going to do it. The instructions that Moses is giving them as touching the Passover. Now, don't forget, where did this statement start from? Verse 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land, and both men and the beasts, and against all the gods of Egypt, and I will execute judgment. In verse 13, that says, the blood shall be upon you, and they took it to your houses, and where I see the blood, right? Where I see the... So, are you seeing where Jesus got this blood from? Just pay attention, no? Okay. 
where I see the blood, I will pass over, right? And I will, and this plague shall be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt, right? Then he now started giving them the custom in verse 14. I says, in this day shall be unto you in memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall, ye shall keep it a, a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days ye shall eat on living bread. Even the first day ye shall put away the leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth the living bread from the first day unto the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. <laughs> and this, see, you want to really follow the law. <laughs> Verse 16. And in the first, so if you really want to follow Passover, this, if we want to do communion. <laughs> we really have to, you do not take out the bread from your house. And you come to church, you come and really take bread. The soul shall be cut out. <laughs> if, you really, if you really want to. <laughs> All right, look at verse 16. And the first day there shall be the holy convocation. And in the seventh day there shall be an holy convocation unto you. No, ma- no manner of work shall be done in, in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done to you. You know, I wish there's a day where the government just said, Today, eating day. No work, nothing. <laughs> just today is food, you know. Not Thanksgiving, just food, just cook, don't do anything. It will be good now. But we will still have Bible seminar. <laughs> Verse 17. <laughs> and you shall observe the feast of your living bread. For in this self same day I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, ye shall observe this day in your generations by what? forever so he made a custom because of what they've left egypt so this was an instruction given to moses to the jews in keeping the passover which was to become a feast unto them so however let's look at some grammatical analysis of the word of some words now in verse 14 look at it it says and this day shall be for you unto you a memorial that word memorial That word memorial is from the word zikau. I hope to get the, I hope to get it very well. Zikro, Z-I, Z-I-K-R-O, W-N. I said Greek word, Hebrew word, not Greek word. <laughs> from the Hebrew word, zikro, from the root word zakah. I, I, I resonate more with Zakai a lot than this one I said. But I just needed to put that there. It's from the root word Zakai, and it implies to think about something. So when he says, and this day shall be unto you in memorial. It's from the word Zakai, it's from the root word Zakai, and it means to think about something or to bring to mind. Are you seeing it now? To bring to mind. So this deals with a thought pattern. So the essence of the feast was for the Jews to meditate or consider what happened to them in Egypt, which was their deliverance from the hands of the Egyptians. So it's like saying, it's like saying, I will never forget the day I left Nigeria to America. I will never. I know the date offhand. My mother reminds us every year. In fact, this year, so my mother called me and said, Do you know? 
Ayomide, that this is so 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 year that we got to this country. I said, wow. He said, hmm. Do you know that personally, there are songs I listen to that gives me memories of when I was on the plane. Coming down. Can that be an can that be a memorial? Can those songs be a memorial? I don't want to give you the name, so you're not gonna think. Ah, uh, I told you I'm a pastor. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? So Moses needed to do something to them that they can have a remembrance of. See, oh, we came out of Egypt. Are you seeing it? So are you seeing where the do this you remember some of this? Going on? Just be thinking, though. Just be thinking, though. Just be thinking, though. Don't worry, we'll get, we'll get it there. So we said in the word memorial now is from the word zekro, which is from the root word zakar, and it means to think about something, to bring it to mind, and it deals with a thought pattern. That is, the essence of this feast was for the Jews to meditate or consider what happened to them in Egypt. What was the Egypt narrative? They were in slavery. They were in bondage, right? And Moses rescued them from it. Are you seeing it, guys? So, that, so can we say it has a narrative of deliverance? Are you, saying, are you seeing that? So now, that's a deliverance context. So, which was that deliverance from the hands of the Egyptians? And it's used... Now, the word... Now, let's see that word. The word memorial was used 22 times in the Hebrew text. 22 times. Exodus 17, 14. Let's look at some. Let's look at some references. I will just show you some, not all the maybe not all the references, but let's look at some. Exodus 17, 14. Just quickly, quickly, quickly. Exodus 17, 14. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. Can we say so that they can think about it? Can we say that? Can we say it's written so that it can bring to mind? Can we say that? We said memorial is what to think about something, right? To bring to mind, right? So when he says, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it into their head. Can you say, bring it to their consciousness back? Can we say that, guys? All right. Let's look at another one. Let's look at another one. Exodus 28, verse 12. Exodus 28, 12. He says... Thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of Ephod, for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear the names upon the Lord for his two shoulders in what? Can we say so that they can remember it? They can bring it to their consciousness, right? So therefore, what was given to Israel was that they ought to put their attention and think upon it with relevance, with reverence. We reference to something that was very relevant, to his relevance. So now, and don't forget, it's a feast of an unliving bread, right? And it's already a custom of the Jews. And for you to participate in that, you see why it is the custom of the Jews. Who was delivered from bondage? The Jews. Are you seeing it? You must understand why it's their custom. You were not... <laughs> you as an American, you were not... In slavery, so, uh, no, you were not that one that were rescued. The one we have is Martin Luther King, Black History Month, uh, 
Which other words do we have? Independence Day. Uh, which other words do we have for our memorial? Uh, uh, eh? Memorial Day. Which other words do we have for our, our remembrance too? Uh, eh? Independence Day. Uh, are you getting what I said? That's the one in our own world now. Are you seeing it? That's the one that once those days happen now, it brings back. It's just like it brings back, oh wow, fireworks. Just to so our own custom now, Independence Day in the United States, is to throw fireworks. That's our own feast of the unliving bread. You know? <laughs> they had their own feast and now they celebrate their own. They take it off, just like we two have vacation um, day off on Independence Day. We too have our own off. Some work, some people don't. So I think some best workers don't even have vacation in the year at all. Do you people even have Christmas, Christmas vacation as workers? They will, they will alternate it. Some people will do it, some people will not. I can't remember. I told you people are not studying the. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. <clears throat> now, so it's the feast of the unliving bread, right? Now, the word unliving is from the word matatash. M A T A. No, not T A. T S. T S T. I'm missing something out. Give me a second. I'm, I'm, I'll get myself right now. Matata. Mm, it's, it, I don't think I'm getting the pronunciation well. M A T. M A T S. T. S. A H. M A T S T S. A H. Joy. Pronounce it. Uh, if I just say, you are using English to to pronounce it. It simply means unfermented bread. Unfermented bread, literally, it's not massage, because I hate massage. <laughs> they play. It simply means unfermented bread, literally. However, the word "unliving" figuratively implies sinless, right? It means sinless, which in context will reply, there is no sin in the camp. <laughs> you know? So the feast was to be done within the camp of the Jews. Thus, the word on living bread is in relation to that camp of the Jews. Are you getting the custom now? Now, why, why am I explaining all of these things? Just for your, when you are having conversations, right, with most of these guys. I've had, I've been, I've, I've had to have conversations with some Jews before. And you have to, you, you, sometimes it's better to know their custom so that you can be able to relate it properly in the New Testament and explain the gospel to them. Most of these things are very vital for our studies just so that we can be able to appreciate how to explain the scriptures properly to those kind of people and see that, see guys, this is what your custom now means in the reality. Are you getting what I'm saying? Alright, so now... Because one, one thing you must understand in Bible study is that the Bible does not, did not take away the custom of the men in their world. It did not take away it. 
So that's so there's a question I want to I, I don't know if I've answered it yet in Bible Emeritus, but probably I will still answer it. Is the Bible an honest book? It is very honest. Very, very honest. It doesn't take away. It doesn't take away. It's not trying to corner some facts for us. Are you getting what I'm saying? The truth is as plain as it is. So, we said this is for the unliving bread, and it's in relation to the camp of the Jews, right? And the word unliving bread occurs 42 times in the Hebrew um, text of the Bible. 42 times. In Exodus, it occurred 12 times. That word unliving bread. In Leviticus, it is found eight times. Numbers, five times. Deuteronomy, two times. In Joshua, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. In Joshua, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Kings, Ezra, Ezekiel, it occurred once. So in Exodus, 12 times. Leviticus, eight times. Numbers, five times. Um, Deuteronomy, two times. In Judges, Joshua, First somewhere, Second Kings, Ezra, Ezekiel, the cause one. So it's important to note that the unliving. Why did I say that? You know, on the norm, if it was me of before, we'll go through all that text. I think I'm I'm backsliding gradually. But maybe I'll return back. You know, if, I don't even know that if it was before, we'll we'll, approve, we'll go through all the day. <laughs> so now I've just found a way around it. It's used to, it's used to go and do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I will, I will be born again back. Maybe the next series we will do, we will say, ah, pastor, just stay backsliding. <laughs> okay, so it's not that. The unliving bread was celebrated with the Passover. That is, they were done together. So the unliving bread was celebrated with the Passover and they were done together. So I want you to also recall something that during the Passover feast, Present during the Passover feast, there's something that was present, and animal for the they would kill an animal, right? The unliving bread was there for eating. Thereafter, thereafter they were had bitter herbs, which were to cause the Israelite to meditate on the deliverance from Egypt. So they would drink agbo. <laughs> we 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 will understand it, but I think the West Africa will not understand Abu. Abu means bitter herbs, so they will drink it. Like, hmm, wow, you delivered us from Egypt. So, <laughs> are you getting it? So it was. So the key the, the key relevance was from their custom in Exodus twelve. Let's look at it in that Exodus twelve. Let's check it again. What was Moses saying? Are you learning something, guys? Yes, Is it making sense? Okay. Look at let's look at it now. Let's see. He says, look, look at look at what Moses look at how Moses said they should do it in verse 14. And he says, shall be careful to do the feast of the Lord throughout the in verse 7. In verse 15. Seven days you shall eat on living bread. Put away the living out of your heart, the it, and the seven days shall cut off. And on the first day of the holy conversation, no manner of work shall be done, save that every man must eat and don't in verse 17. He says, They shall also have the feast of the unliving bread in the same. So there was that. You know, in verse 18, it says, In the first month, of the, world, the unliving bread shall be eaten twice, seven days, and she just need leave nothing for the invitation. In verse 21, it says, Moses called out and draw out the family to kill a lamb. So there's that thing. In verse 22, they will now drink 
Look at verse. They will drink a, bu a, a bunch of Aesop and dip it in the blood, and the person has struck the lintern two sides of the. <laughs> Look at all this practice. So he says, "Do you know it's not?" <laughs> It says, strike the lintel and two sides of the blood with the blood of the basket, and none of you shall go out of the door. That <laughs> door of his house until the morning. He says, for the Lord will pass through and smite the dish. And when he see the blood of the lintel and all of those things, the Lord will pass over the door, and he will suffer the destroyer not to come to you in the house that smited you. So he now says, and this you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee. When we say ordinance, now you should understand ordinance, right? I what does ordinance mean now? Let's quickly one test. Okay. Ordinance to thee and thy sons forever. So it's it's going to be forever. So you see that that relevance or that instruction was for them to remember the deliverance from Egypt. And that feast was to serve as a reminder, a memorial. Are you seeing it now, guys? Is it making sense now? All right, let's look at the word where, let's look at how the word Passover was used in the four Gospels. Let's look at the pass, how Passover was used. So now you know that years has passed down the line. Are you seeing now? Almost more than 4,000 years after or something, I don't know. I've not, I've not historical dates. I've not gotten to historical dates things yet. <laughs> All right, look at in Matthew 26. Let's look at Passover now. So, you have seen how, the, how Moses has told them to do it. Are you seeing it? And where, we've done the historical analysis now, we have seen where it started from, how Moses told them to do it, right? Yes, sir. Right, guys? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. Now, look at Matthew 26. Don't forget our question, though. Did Jesus institute communion or the Passover? Don't forget that's the question. No. Was Paul teaching the practice of Passover or was he referring to what? Something there. Uh, what do you want to say? <laughs> no. That's another question. We said this question was, did Jesus institute communion or the Passover? Was Paul teaching the practice of Passover or was he referring to something else? Are you getting what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. we'll get to that same question later that question where we said that does was he handing that a tradition that is expected to be kept or was using an analogy good alright look at in Matthew 26 verse 17 to 19 Matthew 26 verse 17 to 19 let's look at the four gospels then we'll look at the book of Acts 2 look at Matthew 26 verse 17 to 19 it says now the first day of the feast of the Olivia bread. Remember that? Remember we read it in Exodus. They say first day where they will have to take out all their all their living bread and exchange it for. They have to. It's like saying declare. So what that the Ay taught me recently? Declaratory. Eh? You have to pack out your coal and restock. Okay. Say like, pastor, don't you want to declare? Like, What's that? <laughs> <laughs> now the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, Where will thou prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Are you seeing it? Then he said, Go into the city. Such a man, and say to him, The master says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover in the house of the disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus has appointed them, and they made ready 
the Passover. So that's the same conversation that links down that you're not started telling them this is the body. You read that in verse 25, verse 26, verse 27, verse 28. Are you seeing it? It's the Passover they were celebrating. Look at in Mark 14, verse 2, 12. Now I'm giving you scriptures I did not show you now. When I was when we we're reading the communion aspect, look at Mark, Mark 14, verse 12. Are you there? He says, and the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed what? When they killed what? The Passover. Passover, His disciples said unto him, where we doubt that we go and prepare that we may eat the Passover. Look at Luke 21. Luke 22, sorry. Verse 1. Luke 22, verse 1. He says, now the feast of the unleavened bread drawn near, which is called what? So that means the feast of the unleavened bread is what? Are you seeing it now? All right. So it is clear that the disciples made it ready because they will follow the tradition of what Moses has said now, the, all the things that they have to get ready, right? Now, so they prepared it and killed the Passover. The unleavened bread and the Passover were celebrated together every year. It's a custom. of a, It's the Jewish festival. So it is seen that the Passover is being observed as a yearly practice. Look at even the book of Acts. Acts 12, verse 3. To see that even after Jesus has gone, this custom still continued in their world because it's Jerusalem is means Jews. We are the place of the Jews. Are you seeing it? All right, look at look at Acts 12, verse 3. He says, And because he saw it that he pleased the Jews, he further proceeded to take Peter. Then we are the days of what? The only Then were the days of the unleavened bread. So, that means that, uh, so, that means that they, you look at even in verse 4, it says they apprehended him and put him in prison and there is him and the soldiers kept him intending after Easter. Are you seeing Easter is coming up here again? <laughs> now, the King James Version in verse 4 used the word Easter, yet the word, this word Easter now does not occur anywhere in the Bible. And I've always taught you in the rule of Bible interpretation. If it has only one mention, it's not a doctrine. We can't build a doctrine around it. I've always told you that. Because a doctrine cannot be built over a single mention. So which day do we know is Easter? It's the Catholic that decides this for us every year. I think let's wake up tomorrow and just say it's the Pope that decides that culture of Easter for us every year. Next year, I think they've decided for the next 10 years already. I think uh, was, I don't know, they just any child days, yeah, Ashworth's day or something, just tell us, okay, this is that which will that's why there's no fixed day. There's no, it's not like December 25. Uh, there's just there's no fixed day. They use their own calendar to calculate it. Oh, Sabinus style. <laughs> I think they have the way of tracing it according to their own culture and calendar, you know. Probably they are still using the Jewish calendar more, I don't know. I'm not a Catholic. <laughs> well, AY should be able to. You can meet AY after service. <laughs> she, she will be able to. Kami Sister AY, she will be able to give you more details about that. Okay. <laughs> So the word on living in the Greek text is from the word. Now, when we say the word, you know, we looked at the word on living in the Hebrew. What did I say the word on living in the Hebrew means? 
the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word. Okay. The unliving, the Greek text is Azumos. A S A Z, sorry. M O S. A Z U M O S, which means uncorrupted. It's gotten from the word zoom. S U M E. Zoom. If it's a Nigerian, I say zoom. No, it's, it's, it's that Z, sorry. Z U M E. And it refers to unfermented. Unliving means to, living means to ferment. And it's, spiritually, it refers to something that is corrupt, right? So the use of the word unleavened, if you see Acts 20, verse 6, let's look at where the word was used. Acts 20, verse 6. Or the word unleavened was used. Acts 26. It says, And we stayed away from Philippi after the days of what? Can, we, can that be Passover too? Yes. Uh, okay. So this just so that... <laughs> The feast continued in the book of Acts, just like how we study baptism, how they continued it because of the custom and everything. So this feast also continued. And you know Jesus has died, Jesus has been, but because of their culture and their practice. Look at it, 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7 to 8. 1 Corinthians 5, it says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unliving. What, what did I mean? What did I say by unliving? Uncorrupted, right? Good. As ye are unliving, for even Christ our Passover is what? You know, look at what he said. Look at how the look at how Paul now explained Christ for us. Paul is who is now our Passover? Okay. Now, why is it that? Can somebody can somebody think? Why did Christ become our Passover? Or how? Huh? Is the blood, the sacrifice, the lamb? Yeah, you get good. Glory to God. So Christ, has, Christ is our Passover. is sacrificed for us. So therefore, let us keep, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with leaven of malice. Look at how Paul is explaining it to. Now, what did I what did I explain? Living and unleaving for you. What's living? Corrupt, fermented, unliving is what? Unverted, sinless, and all of those things. All right. So look at how Paul is saying. He says, neither with the leaving of malice and wickedness, but with unliving bread of sincerity of truth. Look at how he's explaining. So now you have so don't forget his audience understand what he's saying. You know, you know, put the lump, put the old levy. <laughs> Are you seeing it? You just read as a put the old levy with the unliving bread of sincerity. But now you are understanding what unliving bread means now. That that word on leaven, like I said again, let me explain it again. That word levy means ferment, and spiritually it means corrupt. And the word unliving means uncorrupt. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so it's, they are figuratively used for spiritual things here. And the writer includes that Christ is our Passover. Let's look at further references of the word living 
and unleavened. So that it will, it will make sense to you now how they used it in the scripture. Look at, let's go back to Matthew again. Matthew 13 verse 3. Matthew 13 verse 3. We'll, we'll look at certain things, then we'll take a break and we'll continue. Matthew 13 verse 3. Alright, let's be fast. He says, And he spake unto them, saying, In a parable, Behold, the sower went forth. No, 33. It's not 3. Matthew 13, verse 33, sorry. He says, Another parable, he spake unto them, says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto the leaven, which a woman took and eat in three measures of meal, till the whole was what? Leavened. Are you seeing it now? So this Jesus used it here as a parable, making reference to what spiritual things. Look at Matthew sixteen verse six. Matthew sixteen verse six. He says, and Jesus said unto them, take the take it. Look at now. Look at something. We are trying to study Holy Communion, but look at how far we've gone. Look, you see the import of Bible study, patient Bible study. It gives you a breast of everything in scriptures. Eh? You see, all right. Look at it. It says, "Take it and beware of the leaven of the Pharisee." So when it says leaven of the Pharisee, what does it say leaven means? Corrupt things of the Pharisee. So are you seeing that? It's in relation to so, and when it's in relation to the Pharisees and the Sadducees speaking teachings and the doctrines of the law in this context. Look at the popular one that everybody always say, Galatians five verse nine. I'm sure you've heard this over and over again. Galatians five verse nine. It's very popular. Galatians 5 verse 9. I'm sure you've heard this over and over again. Are you, have, you, have you ever heard there? Look at it. It says, let's read it together. Leaven, leaven at the old I'm sure you've heard it over and over and over again. Little leaven, leaven at the What was Paul referring to? He, he, makes, he was making reference to the law. He referred to, in this context, he was referring to those who were preaching bondage as the law. So, it was used there for a teaching as well as conduct. Teaching as well as conduct. So, back to the Synoptic Gospel now, in the four Gospels. It is clear that there had been an ongoing feast even before Jesus came. So, that shows that the feast, now we did an historical analysis and we said the feast was instituted by who? Moses. So, now, that custom now was not strange to the Jews. It was exchanged to the disciples. It has been something they were doing. Are you seeing it now? So this was even before the incarnation. This was even before Jesus came. They were partook of this feast yearly. So this implies that Jesus did not institute. So now that question that we are asking: Did Jesus institute the Passover? He did not institute the Passover. He was not the one who started it. He met it and partook on it. He met it on it and partook on it. Just the same way, many of you were not born in, what year did America gain independence now? 17, so just the same way you were not born in 1736, you met it on it and it's still an independence day to you. That's what happened in Jesus' case. Is it making sense? So did he give the instruction for them to do it? Did he institute the Passover? He never did. So the instruction to eat the Passover and how to eat the Passover has been given in Exodus 12 and 13, just like even John's baptism. Jesus partook of it, but he did not institute it. Is it making sense? So however, 
In the text that we've read so far, the first recorded statement of Jesus concerning Passover is something we must pay attention to. Because he used it to teach something. Because he must have used it to teach something. In Matthew 26, notice something in Matthew 26, verse 17 to 19. He said something. He said that upon the feast of the Passover, they ate the bread, right? And as they ate the bread, Jesus made ready for, for them. Jesus made it ready and the disciples and all of those things. Let's take a break. Let's take a five minutes break. I really want you to understand this carefully so that we explain it more context. Take a five